After careful reflection, I have concluded that the very high threshold required for the invocation of the Act was met. I do not come to this conclusion easily, as I do not consider the factual basis for it to be overwhelming. That's Justice Paul Rouleau, the head of the Emergencies Act inquiry. He concluded that the federal government was justified in using the Emergencies Act. It gave them sweeping powers to end last year's convoy protests in Ottawa and at two border crossings. After months of investigations, thousands of pages of documents, and over 230 hours of testimony, the report said that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's decision was appropriate. We didn't want to have to invoke the Emergencies Act. It's a measure of last resort. But the risk to personal safety, the risk to livelihoods, and equally, the risk of people losing faith in the rule of law that upholds our society and our freedoms, those risks were real. Responsible leadership required us to restore peace and order. Today, I'm talking to my colleague, Ottawa columnist John Ibbotson. He'll discuss what the conclusions of this report mean in a society that remains divided. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. John, it's so great to see you again. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. What was your reaction, John, when, when you first read the report? My first reaction was a big question had been answered. The question was, did the Trudeau government overreach when it invoked the Emergencies Act in order to shut down the protests in Ottawa and across the country? And the answer is no, because it was a failure of policing, a failure of federalism that the government had been brought to that place. Hmm. But it had been brought to that place and it was justified in acting. And that question, at least for me, is answered. So we're going to get into a lot of the details that you, you just touched on there. Uh, but but firstly, I, I just want to get to the big picture here. I mean, this report is massive at about uh, over 2,000 pages long. Uh, the government spent around $21 million on the inquiry. Uh, and the inquiry was, of course, mandated by law. They had to do this. Uh, but John, why does this report matter so much? Oh, it matters hugely. Because when a government invokes the Emergencies Act, it assumes in some ways, almost dictatorial powers. It is able to move without the consent of parliament. It is able to suspend civil liberties. In this case, uh, it was able to freeze bank accounts. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to essentially suspend the constitution or parts of the constitution, for even for a very limited period of time, then you have better be able to explain why you are doing that. It is a very big thing. The Emergencies Act has never been invoked uh, since it came into effect. This is the first time, and we needed to know whether it was an act of overreach on the part of the Trudeau government to do so. And you just said it's, of course, the first time the Emergencies Act was used. So I would imagine that this sets a precedence for for future uses as well, does it not? Well, let's hope not. I mean, let's hope that we don't have a civil strife uh, reaching the level where governments feel they must routinely oppose the Emergencies Act. That would be a very bad thing. But one of the uh, good things that came out of this commission is the recommendation that the act be updated and modernized um, and generally brought up to date. But let's hope it's, this doesn't mean 
oh, the Emergencies Act gets trotted out anytime we have a bad day because that would be uh, a bad thing. Okay, so let's get into this, John. Who are the winners and who are the losers of this report? Well, in pure partisan political terms, the obvious winner is Justin Trudeau. Um, if the commission had said that his government overreached in, in invoking the Emergencies Act, that would have been a very severe criticism of this government. Um, so he is a he wins politically in that the commission justifies that very big decision that he and Cabinet made hmm. uh, a year ago. Um, I would say the big loser is Doug Ford. The report says that it was the belief of the federal government and of the city of Ottawa that Doug Ford wanted the federal government to, quote, wear, unquote, um, the political consequences of the occupation. It's clear that uh, Justice Rollo believes that's true. And I think it was true. I, I wrote that, I said the same at the time. It's a joke up here. People sometimes say, you know, in such and such a year, I left Ontario and moved to Ottawa. But it's supposed to just be a joke. Mm -hmm. uh, the Ontario government is supposed to be responsible for what happens in this city. And as I say, shame on Doug Ford uh, for failing in those duties and, and good on the commission for pointing that out. And yes, the commission does does get into that, which we will talk about. But let's focus on the liberal government here first, John. Uh, the big question in the report was whether the liberal government met the threshold of a, a quote, threat to national security, end quote, uh, in terms of the convoy protests. That was the threshold it needed to reach. Uh, how did Justice Rulo come to the conclusion that, in fact, the situation had got to that level and, and these measures were justified? Well, he came to the conclusion that the Ottawa Police Service had failed to anticipate the occupation in Ottawa and had failed to produce a credible plan for ending it. Uh, he concluded as well that the Ottawa Police Service was not cooperating with the Ontario Provincial Police and the RCMP to produce a coherent plan to respond to the occupation. He concluded that the protesters, while largely peaceful, uh, were nonetheless potentially dangerous to the health and safety and well-being of the citizens in, in downtown Ottawa. And he concluded that other protests were proliferating across the country, that those protests threatened to get out of hand, and that at any time, peace, order, and good government uh, could be impaired by this de these demonstrations, and that is essentially it was time to use a circuit breaker. And that's essentially what invoking the Emergencies Act meant. It was a circuit breaker that intended to put a stop to the escalation of protest, um, and it worked. Uh, the protests ended and did not resume. And he, he did say, though, that he came to this conclusion reluctantly. Why did he use that word, reluctantly? Because peaceful protest is fundamental to our democracy. There was no reason why people should not be able to protest vaccine mandates. They had, they had every right to believe that vaccine mandates, social distancing, the wearing of masks were not necessary public health measures to combat a pandemic, which I believe those measures were. It was a failure of police services. It was a failure of governments that those protests were allowed to degenerate into something that became truly dangerous to the, the security of the people in Ottawa and to the security of people uh, across the country. That was a failure of policing. That was a failure of government. And it was regrettable that it got to that point. Justice Rulo also highlighted uh, the, the role of rising populism that, that drove us to this place. What did he say about that, John? Populism, uh, which is as old as this country, uh, is a declaration of distrust and discontent by people in their political elites. 
it gets worse during times of severe stress. And we were certainly under severe stress during the pandemic. What poisoned the well um, in this case was the advent of social media over the last 10, 15 years, Twitter and Facebook and the like, which permitted uh, and indeed even encouraged misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and the, the toxicity of these conspiracy theories on social media drove the populist discontent into, the commission concluded, dangerous areas, areas that risked public safety, that risked uh, peace, order, good government, that potentially risked the lives of citizens, including the politicians themselves. On the populism point, though, I mean, didn't the liberals stoke some of the fire here by by calling the protesters a, a quote, fringe minority, end quote? Because, uh, I mean, Justin Trudeau acknowledged that phrase directly on, on Friday when he was asked about it after Justice Rouleau's report came out. Uh, following today's report, do you have any regrets about calling Ottawa protesters a fringe minority? Yeah, I wish I had said that differently. As I look back on that and... and you know, as I've reflected on it over, over the past months, not just uh, um, freshly from this uh, commissioner's report, I, I wish I had phrased it differently. So, John, let me just ask you, what role do you think partisanship played in, in fueling the situation that, that led to the liberal government invoking the Emergencies Act? It, partisanship played a role on both sides. Uh, Justin Trudeau, I thought, and wrote during the election, um, fanned the flames of partisanship uh, by questioning the, the legitimacy of, of people who disagreed with the government's actions, uh, by suggesting they were racist or misogynist, that they held unacceptable views. And the commission report indeed criticized him for those statements. So he bore some responsibility. And again, Pierre Polyev bears some responsibility. The conservative leader who was running for the leadership at the time of the occupation, identified with the protesters, said he supported them. And he was even down in the streets, of course, right? He was he was taking selfies with people on the streets of Ottawa. And he's a, and he has absconded with the word freedom, which was which was their uh, cry uh, for the Conservative Party. And on Friday, um, he essentially blamed Justin Trudeau for creating the circumstances that led to the to the occupation in the first place. This is the hopeless state that Justin Trudeau has created in Canada today. After eight years of Justin Trudeau. Everything feels broken. I think that was going too far. I think it was irresponsible uh, of, of Mr. Polyev to say those things. But was, isn't there something to those criticisms, though, John, that, that there was some stoking of partisanship on the, on the part of the liberal government? Like, is, is part of what Polyev saying, was it partially justifiable? Partially is the operative word here. Uh, so, you know, sure, Justin Trudeau should not have used the words he used. But let's remember what, what the actual circumstances were, what those protesters were protesting. They were protesting measures that were necessary in order to protect society from a deadly virus. Uh, given the stance that Polyev had taken before this report came out uh, politically here, did he have any other choice but to double down on that stance, John? Like, was there any way that he could have reversed course at this point? Well, there's always a chance uh, and an opportunity to moderate your language. Um, but that's not Pierre Polyev. He never apologizes. He always doubles down. He's very, he's not a Donald Trump. I've said a thousand times he's not a Donald Trump, but he's Trump-esque in his unwillingness uh, to, you know, see both sides of an argument to compromise. Again, in that press conference, not only did he blame Justin Trudeau uh, for causing the, 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 
the occupation, he blamed the reporter for even asking the question because the reporter is from CBC. Do you accept Justice Rulo's findings and do you regret endorsing the Freedom Convoy? Well, first of all, you, you, your question was typical of CBC, bias again. You uh, forgot to mention what the report said, which is um, more of an... So Mr. Polyev is, in fact, you know, criticizing things that aren't true. He's accusing Justin Trudeau of, of causing the, the, the protest when he, that's not fair and not true. And he's even uh, you know, undermining freedom of the press in questioning the legitimacy of reporters who are asking questions. We'll be right back. In evoking this act, the liberals got some serious new powers here, uh, including increased powers to police forces to arrest and remove protesters, uh, as well as compelling tow truck drivers to to go into downtown Ottawa and remove vehicles. Uh, but the one that really caused a stir, of course, was the ability of police the RCMP, to direct banks to freeze the accounts of people involved in the protests. Justice Rouleau said that he felt this measure was justified, uh, and Finance Minister Christia Freeland touted this after, after the report was dropped. I would also add that what was so important for us in putting in place these economic measures was our overriding objective, of course, was to end the illegal blockades and occupation. It was to do so without violence without anyone being hurt. And the economic measures were a tool that really helped make that happen. John, what did you make of this conclusion specifically uh, from the report? If I had thought there was an area in which the commission might say the government had gone too far, it, it might have been that area. Hmm. The commission decided that the the threat of funding uh, to the, the protests was sufficiently severe that this money should have been curtailed. Um, all right, the commission made that conclusion, and uh, I will accept the commissioner's conclusion. But it would not have surprised me uh, if he had said that was the one place in which the government went too far. He did say, though, that the government should have included a specific delisting mechanism for, for people whose accounts had been frozen. Can you descri describe what that would refer to, John? I think what he was arguing was that the government should have been working overtime to make sure that uh, the limitations on people's access to their bank account should have been for as few people as possible for as short a period of time as possible and should have been lifted as quickly as possible and might not have been lifted quite as quickly as it should have been. Let's talk about Ontario Premier Doug Ford, because Ford was chastised in this report, with Justice Rouleau basically accusing the Ontario government of, of giving up on the Ottawa region. Ford has yet to comment on this report. John, what did the report find in terms of, of how Ford should have reacted during the protests? Well, it found that the Ontario government did not cooperate with the federal government and with the city of Ottawa um, in, in how those protests should have been handled. The Solicitor General did not attend meetings. Um, Premier Ford did not engage with Prime Minister Trudeau or with then-Mayor Jim Watson. And again, un only when uh, Windsor was blockaded um, and it looked as though the auto industry was going to be seriously affected, did, did Mr. Ford become seriously engaged in the issue. He did not agree uh, to testify at the commission uh, and government officials did not testify at the commission. So he was boycotting the commission just as he was failing to get involved in the protests uh, when they first took place. Mm -hmm. He was basically you know, absent through the whole thing. 
Another thing that Justice Rulo's findings uh, focused on was was policing, uh, or, or maybe a lack thereof uh, in Ottawa. Uh, and and you know we remember how the chaotic response from the Ottawa police led to the the police chief, the then police chief Peter Slowly, he had to resign. Uh, and the NDP has really seized on, on this aspect of things. Here's what one of the NDP MPs, Matthew Green, said after the report came out. I think demonstrated that the act as it was written never contemplated this type of failure of policing. That there was an inability to write bylaw tickets, make arrests, press charges, and that is what resulted into the, the descent into lawlessness. John, what did you make of the recommendations for police officials? Well, clearly there had been a tremendous failure on the part of the Ottawa Police Service to anticipate the protest and respond to it. And there may well be new rules and regulations that should be in place that affect how police service boards interact with the police services, how the senior officials within a police service are held accountable for their actions. There was certainly a breakdown in trust within the Ottawa Police Service. It's a real question as to what was going on inside the Ottawa Police Service that it had become so dysfunctional that it could not handle its core functions. Yeah. So there are dozens of recommendations in this report. Uh, John, what would you like to see the federal government do in response to these recommendations? I would like to see a commendable putting aside of partisanship. I would like to see a committee of senators and members of parliament from all parties working together cooperatively to uh, go through the recommendations of the report decide which ones should be implemented, how the Emergencies Act should be refined or updated, and should then uh, vote, I hope unanimously, uh, on legislation to amend and improve the Emergencies Act. That would be the best thing that could come out of all of this. Hmm. Uh, not to be too cynical here, John, but but how likely is that actually, right, given that Ottawa is so partisan, especially now, with, with everyone looking to score political points? It's not impossible. As we saw during the pandemic itself, uh, in times of real emergencies, we can see parties working cooperatively together as they did in the early days of the pandemic. This kind of fundamental legislation, when and how um, and under what circumstances might the federal government suspend elements of the Constitution in responding to an emergency or an insurrection or a state of war, that's the kind of question, the really fundamental question that should encourage politicians uh, to set aside partisanship and say, let's work on this together. I, I hold up some hope that it might still be possible. Mm. Lastly here, John, uh, at the root of things, these protests happen because of, of really intense divisions in, in Canadian society. Uh, do you think that this report and the inquiry that, that led up to it, do you think it's done anything to improve those divisions at all? Well, at least it has settled the question of whether the government acted irresponsibly in invoking the act. Uh, we do have increasing partisanship in our society, and we do have increasing political polarization, and we do have rising populism. Let's put it in context, though. Um, compared to the United States, compared to most countries in Europe, compared to most Western democracies, our partisanship is at an, operating at a much lower level. Um, our, our divisions and our polarizations are much less severe. That doesn't mean we shouldn't worry about it and act uh, to contain it, um, but we should not exaggerate the level of partisanship uh, and divisiveness that we have in our society. On most big things, on most days, most of us agree. And we should try to preserve and protect that. John, it's always interesting to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, it's been my pleasure. 
That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.